0: This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. Chek talks to me, Eric Render King Fisk, about his role playing game, his love for the genre of diesel punk, and the definitive media that all jazz era retrocentrics should enjoy. All of this and more coming up next on episode 85 of the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show. Stay tuned. Uh
1: so I'm Lee Anderchek. I haven't really done anything of note on the internet that you can find unless you're Dungeons and Dragons infectionado, in which case if you go in the DMs Guild which is a little thing where they'll let anybody publish stuff as long as you give them 50%. Uh, I, I wrote some stuff on there, but it's all very small time. Uh, this is my sort of debut, I guess, as an indie dev. And I guess, why Dieselpunk? Uh, I don't know. I guess people talk about the creative process in one of two ways. Either you have the fluff, and then you get to the crunch. Or you have the crunch, and then you coat that in some sort of paint that is the fluff. But for me, it's always sort of come up together and i've had a fascination with diesel punk as an aesthetic for a very long time uh you know back in the day i was looking around and you were like basically one of the only sources about it i looked at your uh, your website your various old podcasts i looked at john pika as well and just there's not obviously not too much out there but the term does originate from a role-playing game uh and it's I mean, my game is very different from that one. I mean, there's magical plant people in that one. This is a little bit more grounded, but, you know, I think it's, it makes sense as a setting for a role-playing game in particular, just generally because think of all those great pulp action stories originating from around that time. They're totally, you can totally make a group of people and go on those sorts of things and have a great time. So I think that's one a general appeal. But for me, the idea just sort of came out of my head, and I decided, oh, I have to go for this one.
0: Yeah, you know, because the thing is, is that one of the things that I've really sort of noticed with what's going on in the realm of diesel punk right now is that it just seems to be a natural fit for so many people who want to be able to incorporate um, that vintage vibe, as it were. And then there's just the so many opportunities for all kinds of adventure and action and stuff like that. Like when you think of like the greatest action movie of all times, um, you, you either think of Raiders of the Lost Ark or you're wrong. <laughs> you <know? laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, it's definitely, I think the cinema history in that period definitely has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, both in terms of things that harken back to it, like Indiana Jones and stuff back in the day. um, I think that that's also what you see, but I mean, you see a different dimension of it with scythe, which is obviously one of the big tabletop space examples with Jacob's beautiful artwork inspiring that uh turn-based uh, strategy board game. I think that there's just something like very appealing in that period and what did not occur.
0: Yes. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, is that, I mean, for me as, as a diesel punk, I see, by the way, before we go, we, before we go crazy, I want to make sure that we get the name of your game out first and foremost.
1: Right. It is the Acroy Diesel Age RPG. Okay. Uh, I refer to it, you know, in passing as ADA for short. Perfect. Perfect. Because there's so many people out there who
0: have these really great games out there, but you look at something like magic, like the magic card game. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's like the artwork in and of itself is beautiful. I love looking at that. And you look at all these other sort of things that have sort of like spun off from Lord of the Rings or whatever. I've been thinking to myself, and you probably thought this too. How come there isn't something like this for diesel punk, even if it is just like a D&D style board game? Did you ever have that thought as
1: well? yeah i definitely thought to myself and I, I was thinking about this in that uh you did a podcast recently with john pika state of the diesel punk right yep and i was thinking about like you know where where is that definitive work and oh but you guys brought up maybe we don't want hollywood to appropriate the term and then disney gets to say what diesel punk is and i started to think of it as we're not standing on the shoulders of giants in the same way that the tolkien uh not the talking imitators i don't want to say that I read fantasy too, but like the people who came after Tolkien lived in the live in his shadow, right? Exactly. They stand on the shoulders of that giant, but they're also kind of in awe of him. Whereas in Diesel Punk, I think that we've inherited a different kind of heritage, which is not that they like the people who came before don't matter, but yeah, they're very divided. They're very esoteric, and we're really sort of standing on the shoulders of dwarves. <laughs> yes, stout, wise, beer brewing, steel smelting dwarves. And we know who they are and they mean a lot to us, but they they're not, they don't shadow over us and define things for us. And it puts you from a world building perspective in a very interesting place, but also in a very perilous place. Cause it's like, if I don't have rotary planes as a big thing in my setting, am I not a diesel bunk anymore? Cause ooh, everything's gotta be a B-52 flying fortress, right? Am I not, am I, do I'm doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? And there's nowhere to look for guidance. like. Children of the Sun, that original RPG was all over the place. Various works have gone in all sorts of different directions. Most of this is art, but the art is very disconnected, not always by the same person. I mean, the best that we have, I guess, is Jacob, I keep forgetting his last name's artwork that inspired Scythe. And he has yep. a the world there. But even then, you know, we don't have like the same way that everyone knocks off Star Wars or everyone knocks off Lord of the Rings. We don't have that go-to knockoff. And that's it makes it harder for us. But I think it makes us grow. Oh, I think that um,
0: for so many of us, the reason why we choose diesel punk is, is sort of like when Jack Kennedy was talking about why we need to go to the moon. We're not going to the moon because it's easy, but we're going we're doing it because it's hard. Being diesel punk is difficult being de- being a diesel punk is it it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of imagination and it really is challenging and on top of that you do have to have like i'm like you have a a very wide broad knowledge of what ha- what occurred during uh the jazz era and the world war ii d- decades and you have this little, you have the small box of, of of rules and guidelines, and then you get the thumbs up from a fellow diesel punk who says, "Now, now that we know what the rules are, let's break them all," and that is very daunting for a lot of people. A lot of people who are into steampunk can look at Tolkien and look at the Victorian era and the Edwardian era and cobble those together. And it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's easier to be a, a steampunk sometimes. Whereas with us, like a, since anything can happen and everything can happen, that's more, I think that's more daunting and more of a challenge too. Um, sort
1: of paralyzed by the plethora of choice. And I think that a lot of other people do get chopped, tra- trapped in that nostalgia cycle. Yeah. that And that's, I think
0: that one of the greatest things to happen in the realm of, of diesel punk is that we've had um, about 10 years ago, we had sky captain, the world of the tomorrow, which didn't take off as much as I thought it should. But also recently we've had um, man in the shape high. Castle oh, What's that shape of water shape of that- water is another is, is the most recent example, but also you have the sort of like, what if idea fantasy of, of uh, man in the high castle, that's another that's another great example but do you think that there is any definitive diesel punk work that we can look at and we we just don't we don't see the forest through the trees as it were because we already mentioned um raiders of the lost ark
1: yeah and no, i think honestly i think that it is a it's diesel punk and maybe this is really what attracted me to it diesel punk is more an aesthetic then it is a genre, even though I refer to it as a genre and most people refer to it as a genre. Sure. I think that it exists most clearly now as an aesthetic and it is an aesthetic in want of a genre. So I don't think there is a genre-defining piece because I don't think it's been written yet, which has all of us hounding at the gums to go and write the piece, right? Exactly. We're all trying to be it and not to say that we have to exclusively own it, but we would all like to inhabit that space in the same way that the New Inklings were all coming up with this new mythology for the Anglos. We are coming up with this new story, I guess, very much American theme. Not that it has to be Americans, but I think that we are in the midst of this seeking to create the work. It's not there. We can look for it all we want, but it's inside of us and we have to produce it.
0: And what I've seen so far, you have done a great job starting something that I think that definitely has legs very much the way um, I remember dungeons and dragons way back in the late seventies, early eighties. Whereas it was like one of those things that, oh, wow. Now this is something that my creativity can just go wild in Uh, with what you have created. Did you have that in mind? Or did you just say, I just want to make a great game?
1: Uh, I definitely my like, if we're talking about like from a design angle, I was actually a little bit more influenced by Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Second Edition. Yep. But D and D, you know, like it's not—it's never been my favorite game, but it's certainly the genre creator. And in that sense, we are all upholding to it. We all harken back to it, right? Like it literally birthed the entire idea of a role-playing game, uh, and it's—it's it's got a powerful legacy. And I think Fifth Edition has done so much to remove stigma and to make it well, role, tabletop role-playing games are increasingly mainstream, increasingly popular. People are streaming it on Twitch. People are posting about it. There are lots of actual play podcasts out there. In fact, there's already one called serendipity city, which is a diesel punk actual play uh, tabletop role-playing game podcast, like the one I'm going to be doing in conjunction with my game. And I think it's just great that there's so much out there and happening in this interesting form of, I guess you could call it really collaborative improv, but with a referee is taking off. I think it's a whole dimension of storytelling and community and having fun with your friends that a lot of people just weren't exposed to. Yes. And yeah, that's definitely, definitely part of what drives me is, you know, my friends who I game with every weekend who are now doing the podcast together. I never would have finished the game without them. I'm at over 200 pages. You know, 72 of the fluff, 133 of the crunch. And it's definitely been a driving factor. I've never come this far in a project before, honestly. And I think that having them is but it's going to be part of it and building a community and being a diesel punk with them is what's going to bring me further in developing the game, putting out more content, putting out the podcast.
0: One of the questions that I, had occurred to me, a lot of people are going to want to ask, what do you, what do you mean by like, what's the crunch and what's the fluff? What do you mean uh, yeah, by those so, two two terminologies for people who aren't into gaming?
1: Certainly. So the fluff means things like lore, backstory, history, the nice in and the abstraction, the contextualization. Things like I shoot the man with my gun. Well, clearly I don't actually whip out a piece and clock him. Like I roll some dice and some numbers get subtracted from someplace and now he has less health. So the the, mm-hmm. the crunch is the literal math, the literal activities that one is partaking in and there is nuance and depth there and it is evocative of the theme i feel uh i think that i did a pretty good job putting that in there and that's the segregation really the crunch you could you could think of it just like the rules and you can think of the fluff as setting or set piece or the flavor the coat of paint on the car i think mm-hmm. might also be a good way to put it that's because
0: that's one of those things where people who are like really into gaming are probably pulling out their hair and saying, how do you not know this? But you know, I, I know that there are other people who, who don't know it. So yeah, now when you were coming up with a story idea and you said that it was, it's a, it's, it's, a collaboration with all of your friends.
1: Well, it's, uh, the story wasn't a collaboration. Um, but, but the, the podcast certainly is they create characters, but this is entirely like straight out of the noggin.
0: Now, while developing this, were you the dungeon match master the entire time? Were you the one who were setting up the rules and setting up the, the scenario as you were playing it?
1: Um, yeah, I've definitely fallen into the forever DM role uh, amongst my friends for various reasons. They all don't like to do it that much right at all. So uh,
0: so is there is there anything that you can say about the story itself?
1: Uh, yeah, and I mean, I have a whole... I mean, I'm not going to like read a whole 72-page document to you right now. I could, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> no, you should. Sake. The whole point is to get people interested and, and buy the game. So, Well, hey, let me let me give you the current intro. This is a little work in progress, but the Ackroyd Diesel Age is a dieselpunk setting which harkens back to the society and style of 1930s America. With an anachrystic set of technologies, futuristic and old-fashioned, ADA is a world littered with loot, mutants, and monsters without forsaking sophisticated societies. This book covers the Eastern Free States, EFS, the government of what was the United States East Coast. And there's another paragraph that goes on a bit to what happened and how we got here, but really, I mean, it's uh, it's a game that is definitely, I think, a bit, a bit more involved in terms of uh, ownership of character creation, but also more interesting than Dungeons and & Dragons. And also, it's a bit more flat for adventure. You're not going to feel like ah, well, I have to be a level seven wizard before I'm really in my prime. This is a, it's actually, I it can open, you used to acquire XP and buy traits and skills. And so there's there's a, a classless system and allows you to develop in any direction that I think is part of the appeal. And I think that the other part of the appeal is of course the setting, which allows you to have your cake and eat it too in terms of, the darker side of diesel punk and perhaps what one could term deco punk. Yeah. Like the more like, cause there's like beautiful things wonderful things happening and like great triumphs, but there's also, you know, a lot of corruption and the dark underside of it and the brutality of the, the various armed conflicts and just the society itself, very consuming. And I think that it explores lots of things like gangsters and anti-labor like, Pinkertons, that sort of thing Yeah, in depth. And it allows for a campaign that explores any of those sorts of things or even inhuman monsters, right? Yes. I mean, because, and, and as we all
0: know, I mean, human monsters are real. I mean, all you have to do is watch the news for 15 minutes. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely. So the, the thing is, is that your game is alternate history. Like what if blank happened
1: um, or how, how, do we, how would you describe it? Cool that's one of the places I'm going to get in trouble with some people, right? Because there are some people who feel that to be retrofuturistic, you must alter the timeline. Yeah. But I don't. Okay. So, this, so uh, the game is set in the year 2714. Yep. And everything that has happened up through now happens. Yeah. And I like to keep it in the background and to keep it in the back of your mind, because if you think of D&D, somebody wrote a great article, which is that basically all D&D worlds are. I don't want to use this word, but post-apocalyptic and, but you don't know it. Like that's not what everybody's sitting around thinking about and talking about now they're referring to it. And it doesn't exist in the sense that, you know, the various post-apocalyptic pieces of fiction that we watch today are where it's like fallout and everybody's just trying to survive. Like they've got a society, they've got a civilization, they've got cities. Yep. You know, there's a government, they're printing coinage. Like everything is hunky-dory printing coinage. Everything is uh, going along hunky-dory, but there's still this remnant of what was before. There's a bit of a lack of understanding. It's fallen into this past and this legacy. And you you see that in the game with some of the anachronisms. And you know, as I said, the Eastern free states, not the United States. And there is actually, I mean, a lot of the story is about um, what what does America really mean and what was America and what could be America in the future. Because there are two countries trying to get back together and create the United States of America, all this like sort of like the epic backdrop that could certainly become part of the campaign. Like you could tell the story of this happening if you wanted to, but it's, it's in the, it's in the, the background, not the foreground of the, of the fluff really. And it's about, I don't know. I don't want to just read the book at you, but suffice to say it, uh, it does a lot to justify. This is diesel punk. This is, of the era even though it is not tem- even though it's not temporally of the era right sure yes because the thing is that it was just like i like the uh, the concept of
0: putting diesel punk into the far future centuries from now where anything can happen and you have that aesthetic and i'm so glad that somebody else came up with that idea separately by themselves because once you do something like that i mean it's like it's no holds barred essentially where it's like you're not tied into what happened. And, and there's also this notion. It's sort of like uh, a couple of centuries from now, when people go off in different directions, not everybody is going to dress as if they're living in Southern California. Uh, you know, it, it, it's different planets are going to evolve their own cultures and, and stuff like that. Um, it's inevitable that there is going to be some future society that their aesthetic is going to harken back to, um the 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 diesel punk era as it were is that something else that you had also thought of um while developing this
1: um i think in part it's yeah it is like cyclical in nature and just sort of like flip the coins enough time and enough times and it lands on its side right no matter how unlikely the outcome but here there is a specific like I mean, like, there's a particular interest in the the like the past of North America, and part of the reason is like there's 200 years of history, right? That they don't have access to, and then 500 years of history that nobody was writing anything down because everything was digital. Yeah. They no longer have access to digital records, so they have to go back to histories that were written and that they can find, and they have to go back to those images that were massively proliferated, not through screens but through print. Right. And a lot of what they find and they are into in these museums and stuff is that, that, you know, pre-war and interbellum period, world war one, world war two, 1910s through 1950s, more like 1940s, 1920s, but let's not get too technical. You know, the, uh, the period that they sort of wind up, not everybody, but most of society winds up going back to is, the roaring 20s because that is what their society feels like because they're going from very much a state of non-development to one of law and order and development and power and wealth and luxuries brought to them by technology, by economic prosperity, through expansionism. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, and it's teetering and there's a dark, seedy underbelly to all of it, but there is still a great sense of security and superiority and happiness that wasn't there you know a few generations before and they're they're really happy that this is the seed has grown so to speak and i think that it harkens back to the time period of the early 20th century where these horrible machines are being made and people are eyeing each other like oh, i wonder how this is going to turn out and theorizing that it's all about how quickly trains arrive because they're not thinking too hard about gas and then uh these I think the aesthetic comes along with that because it means so much if that makes any sense because it it helps uh, to convey the feeling of the age it's definitely shooting for that 1920s 1930s on the brink of the depression right yeah um here's now
0: as far as like your own personal love for the aesthetic is that something that you also incorporate in in your own life outside of the game that you're developing
1: I mean like I do enjoy like the snazzy clothes not gonna lie uh but to me I think it's a bit more esot. it's a bit more not esoteric isn't the right word there it's a bit more about like the feelings and the values and the thinking of I mean the 1920s is a very transgressive time in many ways that don't get appreciated when the original flapper movement isn't what it got made out to be in the nostalgia cycle uh of like people in the 1950s looking back at it it's not what people like a lot of the things that were going on were very incredible and mirror what happens which happening today in our societal upheavals uh some for good some for ill yeah and i think that that more is away from the game for me than say like the particular styles also i, I don't have a massive uh, wardrobe budget right now, being an indie game developer without a game out yet. So, <laughs> hey, give it. I give haven't it, bought a lot of suits recently.
0: <laughs> give it time, because because I think that one of the reasons why so many of us um, love the Diesel Punk era um, or the the decades that that have inspired Diesel Punk is the thing is is that there's there's a sort of sense of security in knowing that we can look back in history and we know that. It all turned out okay. There's a safety and security in knowing that while they were fighting some of the greatest evils that the world has ever known, um, we know that it turns out okay. And there is sort of like a security blanket mentality to that. Um, Do you think that that's also an aspect of why people like Dieselpunk so much and why people will enjoy your game?
1: I definitely think that it's part of... I I have mixed feelings of the security blank because I'm a strong believer in the fact that, yes, it did, but it didn't turn out okay because people believed it. What it was because they fought and they sacrificed for things to go the right way. And I think that a lot of times you hear the current year argument to, oh, why aren't we more enlightened and more progressive? It's 2018. Well, maybe we'll be even less in 2019, right? We have to fight for it. Things can go back. Yeah. Things can go horribly wrong. I think a lot of times about the Depression, like the 1920s to the 1930s transition. And I do think that like we're capable of great things, overcoming great evils, coming back from horrible you know, setbacks. But uh, I don't personally look at it as in terms of like a, that this means that things will be all right, like it's a cycle of history, but in terms of it can be overcome. There is a model, like people have overcome arguably greater evils and it can be done. And yep. that's what I personally focus on I think that that'll make it interesting for the game because you know there's a there's a conflict going on it's a bit tinged by modern philosophies I don't want to say too much but so I say the war going on in Europe is between ostensibly everybody involved as a democracy right yeah so it's, it's not as cut and dry as a fascist bad Americans good kind of situation and but I think that it's in it's no, there was more modern inspirations in that regard, but also the geopolitic that went into World War One in particular. This isn't so much the World War II era as the World War I era in terms of the war and that whole mess of entanglements, right?
0: Yeah, I because when you think about it, and, and it's like if you actually like look into the history of World War II, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of like sketchy gray areas Um, whereas like what, what, what occurred during, um, the in between years, what, what caused Germany and Italy and Spain to go head, head first, um, into fascism, what caused them to do that? What, what caused Japan to become such a a fascist state why exactly did they do why did they do what they did i think that is another interesting thing that a lot of people like to gloss over um, it is and i think that i
1: like I like to explore alternative possibilities and i guess in a sense the republic of this game which is kind of the germany but also when you use successor state is sort of like what if weimar the weimar republic had been allowed to get off of its feet because really they were turning things around. They cut inflation. They were fixing things up. They just, they need to be a bit more aggressive with telling the people trying to enforce the Treaty of Versailles to go fuck themselves. But uh, yeah, sorry to use. Friend, no, it's sorry. all right. Hey, this but, uh, is this is this is <laughs>
0: this is uh, we have the explicit tag, and I like to use it once in a while.
1: You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they you know they could have told the people enforcing the Treaty of Versailles to get off the case, and it would have been. Uh, I think things could have worked out as strange as that sounds and as broken in many ways, the system was, but I am fascinated with German culture. I think it's horrible what happened. And I think that it's painful to read history sometimes because I see how close certain things ha- came to not being, for yep. example, Mosaddegh one of the most enlightened rulers of Iran, who was a democratically elected leader, he was removed through a coup and like the, 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 I mean, the coup the original coup failed HN stay behind. Like it's wild, but he somehow winds up still removed. And I read it every time. And I'm like, if only these certain threads hadn't aligned this way, it wouldn't have happened with the world war one period. I mean, everywhere you look, I mean, the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand, the way that the guy who he replaced died. yeah Like with was assassination. Was it a, was it a lover's mutual suicide at this weird hunting lodge? Like all of this wild stuff these pieces that could be manipulated, like moved one inch to the left and suddenly the butterfly effects are wild. And so I definitely like to explore alternative political ideologies that were present at the time, but didn't rise to power alternative paths. Uh, Some of the things are very far future. For example, the Franco Iberian league of the equity age, France and Spain were actually run by what it was basically, they didn't realize this, but a traffic AI that was an emergency protocols for 700 years because it thought there would have been a natural disaster and it the internet's destroyed but it's set up telegraph lines and it's setting out food rations and it's basically running western europe and then it winds up sabotaged and the fil like uh what are we going to do now and then they wind up in a huge war in part because powers that be perhaps desire the war and in part because what are they going to do with their society they were upholden to the machine, and the machine is not dead, but not giving them orders anymore. They're in charge now. What do we do Vive la revolution? Because of course it's France. And what are they gonna do? There's gonna be a big political thing. Um But I think that exploring those ideas, alternative possibilities, where that intersection science fiction, where that intersects with diesel punk is definitely on the agenda for what you get in this book and of course the future splats that are going to cover things like europe various parts of europe various other parts of the world specific parts of north america that sort of thing
0: so i think the obvious question that i have is are, are you like a, a a real serious history buff like do you study a lot of history especially from that era Okay. i have a degree <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what Whatever i was going that's worth. um i'm i'm an i'm a well my, my specialty is actually the middle east and i think that as things go further east like i mean in north africa is very involved in the war with uh commit but i think that like my specialty and my focus is the middle east and the modern middle east but i do have i I don't know as much as i would like to and i don't feel like i can say oh i'm so well read on world war one because i'm not i feel like there's always some sort of inadequacy that i have and i have to go correct that and i'm always finding out lovely new stories so in a way i like that i'm not a know-it-all about the period because it means i can still be surprised i can still get taken in i can still not know how the story ends you know for the smaller stories and broad strokes. I know how the story ends, Uh, you know, one side wins, the other side loses. But in the minutia of these individual stories, it's like the Scarlet Pimpernel, right? That wild story about saving French nobles during the revolution. Like we know it doesn't end well for the monarchy, but those people did get saved, some of them. And it's wild to think about and the morality of like, well, obviously we can't really go saying the French aristocracy didn't have it coming but that I don't, I think that you have to be a really heavy ideologue to say that that's okay to drag unarmed men and women off to execution in front of a screaming crowd. Right. 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 I think but that, that would, that, that happens again in the 20th century, right? It's sure. Yeah, mean, it sure did. The democratic forces, what happens to Mussolini, what they do to his corpse. Yes. Like, that's, and I mean, not to say Mussolini wasn't a monster. Don't get me wrong.
0: But I I don't I don't think I don't think that his body should have been de- quite defiled quite quite like that. But it's understandable yeah. at the same time. Um, yeah. So I so what I want to make sure is that I want to make sure that you tell everybody the link about where we can find uh, your game. And uh and and is there also do you have a web page where we can actually look at some of the artwork
1: that you also created for this? Okay. So um i didn't create the art i commissioned the art um and what's available of it there's not much because i didn't really have an art budget but um it's on a facebook page called acroy diesel age i can give a a link to you to put in the description um it's not up yet but when it is it'll be on drive through rpg and there's a link to the wiki here which i could certainly maybe i'll pull that up that might be the quickest thing it's Ada-rpg.org, and I think that alone will just take you to the website. Absolutely, yeah, and I'll definitely- Ada-rpg.org will take you to the, the wiki. All right,
0: and what's what's in store for the future for you? Um, like, what are what are the uh, what are the twenties looking? I know this is like two years away, but what are, what are the twenties looking for you like? After, after this game is, is out, what's, what's in the future for you?
1: Uh, I'm thinking of going the Patreon route, and I'm going to try and subsidize through that the production of splat books. And my lofty goal is to splat the world, and at a rate of about one a month, perhaps by the time we're entering the 20s, I will have the entire globe, acroid Diesel Ageified, in fairly close review. We're talking two to three splats about India alone, we're talking about explorations of all these different regions and i'm also i've been writing him to put out short fiction in the same world and my long view is by the 2020s to be having a novel set in the acro diesel age and i'll have the sagas of the acro diesel age and the tales of the acro diesel age and as much acro diesel age as i can pour down people's throats until they're sick of it so that it can be consumed across a variety of mediums not just the podcast or the games but also through the written word yeah, definitely. So that's my my ambition, right? Now, is this also going to be like an open world where other people can also contribute? That's uh, an interesting question because a lot of RPGs do go that way. I guess I'm a little nervous to say, yes, I would, you know, if somebody wrote something, then I would just accept it as canon. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't encourage people to write along the same lines or to reach out to me and be like, hey, I want to write a story in, in Ada. And like, I think we could work something out there. And I think that in some ways, it really is nice to have a basis that you can lean back on. Particularly, I'm a really world building centric writer. I know lots of people who don't give a shit about world building. They just wanted to get to the character stuff. But they're like diesel punk. And if you're in that position, definitely reach out to me. I'm sure we can we can work something out where your story becomes a tale of the Eco Diesel age and you can use the fluff that I've created and you can tell an original drama that is your own and, you know, excites the reader and their imagination. And I think that, but it's not just like open, like I'll accept, like if somebody adds me on, I don't use Twitter, but if someone's just like, hey, I wrote a story and used all your stuff, I'd be like, that's cool, but I'm not going to acknowledge it as solid canon, right? right. If they say something that, that conflicts with a published thing or something, they're like, they change a whole bunch. I'm going to I'm not going to suddenly change my game around that nor should I'm not saying they can't right right nor should you yeah
0: so anyway um so it's really been great talking to you be sure that you send us all the links so we can we can have everything on the show page for you and uh, we definitely want to get the word out about this game I'm excited about it now I I want to get it into the hands of my sons and see what they do with it
1: Ooh, that's exciting I will definitely uh get that material to you all of it and um even maybe the first episode of the podcast you can have an early listen (laughs) exactly i would love that all right yeah all right i'll I'll hit you up thank you so much for this it's a privilege to be on here all right Uh, word out and thank you again and like i like i said
0: i I, i'm expecting great things from you i won't let you down okay thanks This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show and a co-production of the Diesel Punk podcast. You can find out more about us by going to our websites, thefedorachronicles.com and dieselpunks.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find these links on our homepages. Be sure to visit our sponsors, Chester Cordite, Landrin Artifacts, and the Trinity Whip Company. Also, check out the friends of our show, Penman hats and reconstructing history. Once again, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off. And keep your chins up and your fedoras on.